0: Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field report. Today's Boots in the Field report is coming to you from on the road. Janine and I are in Carp, Ontario at the Carp Fairgrounds. The president of the Fair Board says if you're looking for a good fair to go to in September, Carp is where you need to be. Today we were doing a meeting for the Sullivan Agro Group. Uh, Paul and Gene Sullivan put together a great group of farmers and industry people. Their growing season sounded similar to what some of you experienced in the Midwest. Things got dry in June and made them pretty nervous as far as stress to the crop. And then they picked up some rain in July and August that helped them uh, come out with a better crop than they expected. But in the end, they ended up with uh, a lot of fall moisture Uh, that delayed the harvest so their fall got stretched out and early snows in October left them with no time to get any of their field work done. So kind of the same story that we dealt with in many parts here in the United States. They asked a lot of good questions and we covered a lot of topics and we worked uh, on trying to educate them or teach them on what we're doing about hybrid characteristics such as the leaf structures and the ear flex one of the questions that uh, was brought out is do you think that what we're learning in the United States or in Illinois about hybrid characteristics will really transfer to Canada where they're growing 85 and 95 day hybrids well the answer this is yes the the characteristic differences that we have in corn such as height and tassel type and leaf structure and ear leaf such as girth and length and depth it's going to be present in 85 day corn as well as 120 day corn that we would grow in the south maturities aren't going to change that meaning you're going to have tall corn and you're going to have upright leaf structures in all of those different maturity ranges So you're going to have to learn that no matter what that maturity is, meaning there's going to be short and tall corns, there's going to be upright and pendulum corns in their 85-day window. Another question was with all these decisions that you have to make about hybrid placement, is where do you start? You're thinking about which one to choose and how do you choose that and what population. Well... We start first with the field that we're trying to pick a hybrid for, and we identify the strengths and weaknesses of that field. We always say, take advantage of the strengths, farm around the weaknesses. So for instance, if water shortage is a major weakness in this field, it tends to run out when water doesn't come in a timely fashion, we're gonna have to lower the plant population, which means we're gonna have a lower ear count So then we need a hybrid has that has the ability to store more larch, more starch per ear. So we're talking about something that can really bring on a big ear. We also need a hybrid that's still going to capture all of the light that we're after. We don't want to waste that light. So now we're talking about a most likely a tall pendulum or semi pendulum type of a hybrid. So as we look at the hybrids that fit this category we have to only select the ones that can produce yields high enough to meet our yield goals. We always choose off a yield first when we're looking at hybrids. So we have to be uh, looking for the hybrid. So we can have a specific hybrid that has all of the characteristics we want, but its yield performance or history is poor. Well, that shouldn't even be in our lineup. We got to look for hybrids to fit the characteristics, but also fit the yield range that we need out of that hybrid. Then we're going to set our population, and we're going to set the population based on the soil's water supply, and of course the yield goal that we're after, and the hybrid type, the ear type mainly in this case. On the soybean front, they experiences, their experiences are similar to what we are seeing with early planted beans. The early planted beans showing substantial yield bumps, even that far north. Farmers who planted beans first and then corn after the soil warmed up increased yields in both. One would think uh, this wouldn't be possible when you're talking about bean maturities in the zero to 1.7 range. But these beans are triggered to flower off at night length for the environment which those beans are planted into, just like they are here in Illinois. So if they can get enough GDUs to get their beans to flower ahead of the summer solstice, they're going to experience the similar yield bumps that we're seeing with our early planted beans here. They may be a little more prone to catching a late freeze and having to start this whole process over. SDS uh, in Canada is just starting to show up as well as cyst nematodes. Both of them seem kind of rare as we talked with growers up there. Without SDS... They can go early without an SDS treatment. So they've got a cost advantage there. While they don't have SDS though, they do have white mold almost every year. They have been able to manage the the white mold with variety selection and a two-shot fungicide program. Time will tell if the early planted beans are a bigger issue for the white mold uh, up there. Here in Illinois, a lot of our early planted beans tend to get fairly tall. Doesn't sound like their early planted beans get as tall as what we're talking about here. But time will tell if they if they increase their white mold issues. I think if they keep the populations down, uh, as far as their plant populations, they're probably not going to see a lot of difference. Tomorrow we'll be in London, Ontario to talk at the Crop Smart Conference, and then we'll be headed back to face the snowstorm. To stay up to date, Check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast Boots in the Field report. Keep her safe, keep her moving.